Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. back to the mic after a week long of not being here. We had the Shavuot holiday, which fell on Sunday here in Israel and around the world, and also on Monday if you're outside of Israel. And uh, so I wasn't here, but I'm here today, and we're, we're going to be talking about some interesting news topics, such as, is Biden, U.S. President Biden, Carter, Johnny, uh, what's his name? Now I'm going... I'm going blank. Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. Is Biden Carter 2.0? Also, EVs, electric vehicles, and mass shooting events. We're going to be talking about that as well and what it means for Americans. Also, will the present Israeli government coalition, with them not passing the Judea and Samaria law, what is the future for Judea and Samaria residents. Will other MPs, uh, members of, uh, well, I should say MKs here, uh, members of the Knesset vote to apply sovereignty or will the government fall? What are we looking at? What will happen to the residents of Judea and Samaria with the Judea and Samaria law still not being passed? Uh, we will explain what exactly that law is, what it means, because a lot of people are confused. Um, but basically, we are in uh, an area of Israel where it is uh, supposedly under Israeli jurisdiction for others, military law. And they vote every five years in order to extend the the law that we that residents here are under Israeli jurisdiction. That means police and um Social Security, all sorts of government um, offices, etc. Instead of being just residents under a military uh, law, so uh, what does that mean? We're going to find out more on the show today. Also, I want to say hi to everybody who's listening in from all over the world, from all over the United States of America. Hello, and Australia, the land down under, Turkey as well. Shalom in Turkey, Canada. Of course, the Holy Land of Israel, New Zealand, Colombia, the Russian Federation, Ireland, Argentina, etc. It's good to see you all here. We're going to be back in just a few minutes after the news. Don't go anywhere. We've got a lot of information to give you. We'll be right back. How did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom, I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. All 
right. We are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And the topics we'll be covering today are will uh, what will happen with the future for Judea and Samaria residents. Also, is Biden Carter 2.0? Uh, electric vehicles and mass shooting events and um, other issues as well as we come upon them. Our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University, and has authored over 80 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideastern world issues. I want to welcome to the show Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. All right, so let's start out with the Judean-Samaria law. Why don't you explain that? I tried, you know, summarizing it over the first short segment, but I think you could do a much better job. All right, let, let's go back a little bit in history, first of all. The, 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 one of the most basic um, international laws is that a territory from which a, a, one sovereign nation attacks another sovereign nation that territory is allowed to be conquered by international law. So if, for instance, just to give an example, if, if, um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, if Russia, for instance, had attacked um, Ukraine from Crimea, then legally speaking, Ukraine could conquer Crimea. Okay, that's, that's just a simple law. It's very, it makes a lot of sense, and it's a very simple law. Okay, So if we look back at 1960. Uh, and pardon me, uh, at 1948, um, the country of Jordan attacked in an unprovoked attack, uh, 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 one-sided, attacked the new state of Israel from what is what is what we call Judea and Samaria. So legally speaking, we could have um, counterattacked and conquered that territory. We did not. We didn't have the the wherewithal to do that. In 1967, they again attacked us from Judea and Samaria. And at that point, we did counterattack and we did reconquer the territory, the territory which I, I emphasize originally was ours under international law in international treaties. Yeah, I, I like to say, Mordechai, we liberated it because it w- was and is Jewish land. I'm just looking. I'm not looking at, a, at the philosophy right now. I'm looking at the basic okay. facts. Okay, so it was it was territory which was ours under international law. We reconquered it after it had been conquered in 1948. Liberated it. <laughs> so we took it back, and. And if uh, somebody wants to use the term terminology liberated, fine. I don't care about that at the moment. I'm talking about the basic facts. It had been taken from us by force from an attack that occurred from Judea and Samaria. In other words, under international law in 1948, we had every right to retake that territory that had been conquered from us and from which we had been attacked. In 1967, again, we were attacked from that territory, I emphasize the Jordanian uh, uh, conquering of Judea and Samaria in 1948 was not recognized by any country in the world other than England uh, and uh, Pakistan. It was not a recognized territory. In other words, it was by law and by public, by every public uh, 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 discussion, it was discussed as being occupied territory, occupied by Jordan. 
from 1948 to 1967. When in 1967 we took we had every right under legal precedent and international law, every international law. This is not interpretation. This is basic laws that are that are accepted throughout the world and have been for basically since the Treaty of Westphalia in, in uh, 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 hundreds of years ago. So that's the basic facts here. Now, what unfortunately what happened was in 1967, we had a government which was run by a corrupt politician by the name of of Levi Eshkol, who was not only corrupt, he was also a jerk. And um, um, uh, uh, he didn't have the intelligence to properly define under legal precedents and under legal proceedings the concept of what the laws would be in that territory. So afterwards, a patchwork law was created, was written, which would allow the Jews that were living in that area that had moved there under their own volition, and that is critical, and that's a critical factor. They were not forcibly transferred to there. Jews had who had who had moved there under their own volition. What law was would govern their rights, for instance, their right to vote in an Israel election. So there was a law, a law created that was the so-called Judah and Samaria law. And that law, by the way it was formulated, needed to be renewed every five years. Again, because people who wrote it were dumb. There was no reason why the law needed to be uh, 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 reaffirmed every five years. There's no legal reason for that. And what happened now over the last couple of weeks was the coalition brought up that law to renew it, which is more or less a natural thing for them to do. And the opposition said, we want to show the population that this government is actually an illegitimate government. And so therefore, we will not support this law, even though these same parties, for instance, like the Likud party, had always supported it uh, 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 I always supported this law every time in the past. The process was entirely political. There was no legal uh, um, uh, uh, reasoning behind it. And in fact, everybody is certain that the law will in fact be renewed because everyone has an interest in it being renewed. The point of the exercise was purely political to show that the that a government that was composed of uh, uh, um, uh, uh, of various parties that uh, uh, disagree with one another on the most basic things in the world can't really govern the country, and that's what the, that's what those truths, and that's the entire background of this whole law. Okay, so I understand that there are some Knesset members that are saying that if the law is not passed, then they're going to counter it with declaring uh, sovereignty over Judea and Samaria. In other words, if they don't get it well, that way, they're going to do it a different way. And it's a maneuver with, of, of meaningless, of meaningless con, con, uh, uh, content. They do not have the ability to do that. They can talk all they want. That simply physically cannot happen right at this point. The point is, is that even if it doesn't pass, that just the thought of it is brought up and is being discussed is already a major uh, event. 
No, not really. It was it's been discussed in the past many times. And if you all remember, going back, uh, what is it now, two years uh, before the um, uh, Abraham Accords, uh, Netanyahu brought up the subject, and he was and he was attempting to do that. And in the end, he uh, passed on the uh, opportunity to do it in favor of signing the Abraham Accords. And of course, one can agree or disagree with his reasoning and et cetera, et cetera. But this idea of um, passing a, a, a sovereignty law concerning Judea and Syria is an old idea and has been brought up about every two years for the last half century, approximately. So I mean, it's, it's really no big deal, literally no big deal whatsoever. It's blah, blah, political that has absolutely no meaning other than the fact that some people like to make a lot of, of noise. It's sort of like the noise that, that cows make when they when they eat too much and you know, it comes out as gas in the back. <laughs> All right. So we have like around two minutes left. How would you like to wrap up this segment? Well, there's nothing really to wrap up. I mean, the, the, the subject is an empty subject. It's purely politics. The grossest, most basic po- political maneuver one can possibly think of. Of, of, of no real um, uh, uh, real life content whatsoever. It's just something that people do to make it to be. It, it's like what I used to teach. I always taught my students, if you don't have anything to say, don't say it here. And you don't think that the government will fall over this? The government will fall. I am absolutely convinced of that, but not specifically over this. Um, uh, 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 it, it'll fall because it, it, it has no real legitimacy from the very beginning. It's a crappy government. It's a government that was basically designed to be vulnerable from its very inception. Hmm. I, I, you can say it in a very simple way, simplistic way. Stupidity never works for long. All right. So uh, in the next segments, we have another minute to go, but in the next segments, you're going to be talking to us about Electric vehicles and mass shooting events. And uh, is Biden Carter 2.0? I had forgotten uh, Jimmy Carter's first name when I was introducing this show, but. uh, Everybody called, used to call him Jimmy who? (laughs) We used to call him the peanut farmer. He was that as well. And I remember his brother. Peanut brain. His brother, uh, they tried to kind of like prop him up and, and groom him, but everybody was laughing at him all the time, his brother. I think he worked in a gas station. I'm not sure, but he was not very, uh, didn't have it much in the brain department. He didn't have much going there. Well, that's it, right. Jimmy didn't bother. <laughs> well, you made it to the presidency. So, uh, okay. So we're going to be going to a break again when we get back. It's going to be about the mass shooting events in the United States. I'm wondering where you, where you're going to take us there, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, and electric vehicles. A lot of people are talking about that as well. So, uh, should be very interesting. And let me remind everybody, we are live. If you'd like to call in and join us on the air, we're live if you're listening on Sunday between 4 to 5 p.m. Holy Time here in Israel, or if it's between 9 to 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com.
You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. All right, we are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. And uh, mass shooting events and EVs, and is Bi- Biden Carter 2.0? Where would you like to start, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem? Well, uh, let, let me ask. Let me start by asking a very sim- sim- simplistic question, or at least apparently simplistic. How is it that under gun-loving um, Trump, there are, pardon the, the phraseology, only 12 mass shooting events per month, or under Biden, who hates guns, there are nearly four times that amount. Well, so somehow the... I was going to say, if you're a conspiracy theorist, right you might say that these shooting events are... Uh, set up purposely in order to get people riled up that they're going to want to demand that the Second Amendment is taken away. No, that's much too conspiratorial. Well, I, I said these, it was conspiracy. These, these have the ability to conspire that to to bring bring somebody in in order to commit suicide to commit kill nineteen children. I you know that that's going too far. That that that, that doesn't make sense at all. But. What does make sense here is that clearly um, uh, uh, the gun, gun manufacturers are the same manufacturers, the lobbies are the same lobbies, the, the laws are the same laws. What has changed? Only one thing has changed, that is the, the cultural atmosphere in the country. I mean, at every apparently uh, 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 time that, that uh, or nearly every time that Biden opens his mouth, uh, other than the fact that a word salad comes out and nobody can really understand what he's trying to say, he's always talking about beating on somebody or punching somebody or hitting somebody or I don't know what. He's always, he, he was always extolling violence. He's going to take him um, behind the gym. And... <laughs> yes, et cetera, et cetera. He, he said it again just, just, I think it was yesterday or the day before, something like that. I mean, you know, the man is is clearly... Um, uh, 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 about as, uh, as cultural and individual as, 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 as your local poodle. Um, so, I mean, the, the entire um, culture of the United States has changed, has evolved over time. So what we're seeing, and uh, uh, basically, uh, I don't know how to call it, third world America, third world USA, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Jason Whitlock, who appears occasionally on, on some Fox uh, uh, shows, and, and I should emphasize that he is not a, a pale face of the white persuasion. He happens to be a, 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 a different shade of uh, whatever you want to call it. And, and I, I'd like to quote him. This much hostility to the truth is going to be lethal to not just America, but because of Americans place, America's place in the, as a leader of this planet, this is dangerous for the entire planet. For, the, for us to be this hostile to truth. 
I think this is a brilliant statement. I think it's really, really poignant and 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 I mean beyond just smart. This is a a very important observation. Biden received an inflation rate of 1.4%. It is now at 8.6%. When Russia invaded Ukraine, it was already at 7.48%. Calling the inflation, the Putin tax, as Biden has done over the last few years, is not just a lie. It's, it's an absurdity. It's a stupid thing to say. It, it assumes that everybody that's listening to it is a total moron, totally incapable of comprehending facts. So when you look at the, 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 the U.S. government and how it's handling things, anything, whether you're talking about the southern border, when you're talking about uh, uh, drugs, when you're talking about crime, when you talk about foreign relations, if you can even consider that America still has foreign relations, um, uh, everything is totally awful. Um, if we just take a look at Chicago, as of 31st May this year, 97 children have been shot in Chicago in five months. Children. Not to, I mean, but it's not that. That's not to mention what happened in Texas. About yeah. 140,000 people died in America from alcohol. 107,000 died, died from drug over the overdoses. Um, with all of Biden's joying about um, uh, uh, COVID uh, uh, um, uh, uh, vaccinations and etc., the United States wasted, wasted as in threw in the garbage, 82.1 million doses of vaccinations. So if you really believe in this, damn it, give it to somebody else who does as well. Don't throw them in the garbage. These things cost the taxpayer enormous quantities of money, enormous quantities of funds. 82.1 million doses were simply thrown away by Biden maladministration. Well, in my in my opinion, that's uh, 80. How did how many do you say? 80 million? 82.1 million. 82. million safer people, healthier people. But okay. Could, I, I'm, not, I'm not expressing an opinion about that. I don't, that's I don't, my that's opinion. That's not the issue here. Yeah. The Biden administration does believe in them and has and has been has been touting them for since since the the first day that they came into office. So if you believe this and you're trying to sell this idea to the American population, don't throw the damn things in the garbage. Okay. So. How is how are you comparing Biden now to Carter? Well, um, uh, Carter made a mess of the economy in, in four years. Biden has done at least two or three times that amount of harm to the economy in just just under uh, just uh, just about a year and a half. And so you think it's because he is uh, incompetent? Well, that's a hard word to say here. Um, um, I would not. I would say that in terms of the of of many things, he is clearly incompetent. In terms of Ukraine and China, I would not call him incompetent. I would call him compromised. Yes, I, I would say yes. that 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 uh, 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 the Chinese Communist Party is 
very, very much aware that all they need to do is release one or two documents and Biden and his entire family will spend the, the rest of eternity in prison. That would be my opinion as well. Okay. Um, uh, and I think we see that in everything he does concerning China, everything he does concerning Ukraine. He just threw $40 billion at Ukraine. And then a week ago, the Biden maladministration asked Zelensky how the funds were used. And Zelensky didn't even bother to reply. And your well, summation from that? Well, first of all, <laughs> the American taxpayer has just shelled out $40 billion. That's a lot of money. Right. But what's your summation from and, that? Well, I'm, I'm, again, obviously, this is not incompetence. This is something much more than incompetence. Obviously, um, Zelensky feels that he can do that. Feels that he has can, can with impunity, simply ignore his benefactor, right. his apparent benefactor. Uh-huh. Remember, the last time Ukraine had a democratic election, the person who was elected was a advocate of Russia. So the American State Department overthrew him in the so-called color revolution and brought in the comedian Zelensky as a puppet. Which, by the way, he was not elected and, and he has out and he proceeded to outlaw all, all other parties. So any, again, anybody calling Ukraine a democracy is ridiculous. Okay. Ridiculous is good for America. They love that. Okay. So is there any reason why there shouldn't be mass shootings? I mean, really, if you have a situation of total chaos, then you have a situation of total chaos. And, and lack of, yeah, lack of consequence. It's not just the, the shootings, but the robberies in broad daylight in, in the big cities oh, across the United and, States. And, and, uh, Brazen. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> a total, a total uh, uh, um, uh, uh, um, massive wave of crimes of every kind. Um, one, um, one police department in, in the United States just announced, for instance, that they can no longer take emergency calls because the price of gasoline is so high that they can't fuel their their patrol cars. I mean that literally. The price of gasoline has gotten so high that they can't. Which go city to the was scene this? Which police department? I don't. That, that, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I mean, it just this is just typical of what's going on in the United States today. But that sort of moves us on to the to the next subject, which is electric vehicles. And I really do connect the two subjects because, of course, Biden, from the very first day, as a matter of fact, from long before that, during this entire uh, pseudo campaign to get elected, he continually emphasized that he was going to trample the uh, fuel and oil industry, the gas and oil industries. And he was going to replace them with things, for instance, like solar panels and electric vehicles. And to, <coughs> pardon me, uh, and to sort of start at the at the end for the moment, because we're, the segment is about to end. Um, uh, 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 the United States today has about one million electric vehicles on the roads. 
if that number was to simply double, by the way, one million out of about three and a half, 350 million. So if that number was about to double <coughs> to two million, the electrical capacity to charge them does not exist in the United States today. Okay, hold it right there. We have to go to a break. We're going to be right back, everybody. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. Here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, and we are talking about electric vehicles. And uh, we, t- we we discussed mass shooting events. Biden is he Carter 2.0? Where would you like to take us in this last in this last segment, Dr. Mordechai? Okay, ben so Menachem. let's let's talk a little bit more about electric vehicles and understand what what's really going on here. Okay, now our elect- you know a lot of people have a a, a visceral relaxed reaction and say, well. An electric vehicle, I don't have to pay for gasoline. That's fantastic. I mean, you know, it really frees me up. It's great and lovely. Okay, well, let, let's look at the reality of that. Um, an electric vehicle costs a, uh, about uh, uh, $57,000. A regular vehicle costs about, say, $31,000. <coughs> what does it cost for gasoline today? About $0.47 cents uh, 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 per mile for gasoline and for electricity about 45 cents per mile for electricity that's providing you can in fact um, uh, charge the car um, I'll get back to that in a moment so you only need about 1,000 uh, I'm sorry about 1.136 million miles to make up the difference between the the um, uh, electric vehicle the cost of the electric vehicle as opposed to the um, um, gasoline powered vehicle. So if anybody's going to take the um, talk about driving 1.136 million miles, then an electric vehicle is liable to be very um, uh, suitable to them. They will actually they will actually save money. If your objective for buying electric vehicle is not to save money, and that of course is perfectly legitimate. I mean, you can have other objectives. That's fine. Um, then fine, you can you can use an electric vehicle. But as I said, there are problems with charging electric vehicle. And it's not just the fact that the electricity does have a cost. Um, but uh, uh, well, let's talk, well, let's put it this way: after humanity has spent, has invested some two trillion dollars over the last few years for anti-fossil fuel installations to generate electricity, the need for fossil fuels has dropped from 86% of the electricity created, used in the world to 84% of the electricity in the world. So we only have another $150 trillion more to go, and we can be free of fossil fuels. Anybody who feels good about that 
Well, let me know where you find $150 trillion of investment money. Hmm. Um, uh, over the past uh, several years, for instance, um, there has not been any investment money, for instance, in Europe. Because the cash has dried up. Of course, I'm not really sorry about that because Europe is a, a, a continent of, of, of basically of uh, um, parasites and thieves. And it was just a, uh, an interesting, interesting in double quotation marks, Incident uh, just this past week, when the um, so-called king of Belgium went to visit his former colony, uh, uh, the Congo, where the Belgians just 100 years ago, less than that actually, threw him out. Yeah, murdered over 10 million people in some of the most brutal and vicious manner possible in the history of the world, in some of the most brutal and barbaric uh, actions of any colonial power, even on the even the uh, uh, the, the um, European colonists, um, and he refused to even apologize for what they had done. So the fact that Europe doesn't have enough money to invest in um, a new electricity installation really doesn't concern me a lot. Um, let me just uh, give some people some basic ideas of what's going on in the world in terms of uh, uh, of uh, hunger. Yes, because a lot of talk about that now. Yes. Um, right now, the um, uh, the numbers are 276 million people, quarter of a billion people are now classed already as food insecure, with close to 10 million already on the verge of actual famine. Around the world. Sugar is up more than 22, about 22%. Meat is up about 22%. Dairy products are up about 50%. <coughs> Pardon me. Cooking oil is up about 140%. Um, uh, uh, major wheat exporters in the world, 17% uh, of world's wheat comes from Russia. The EU, EU produces about 16% uh, of the world's wheat. Australia, about 14%. The United States... 11%, Ukraine, 10%. So in case anybody's not looking, um, Russia now controls both its own wheat and that of the Ukraine, or most of what's coming out of, what comes out of the Ukraine, which is a total of about 27% um, uh, of the world's wheat, um, as well as vast swaths of uh, energy, as well as vast swaths of many materials that are critical, among other things, for electric vehicles. So anybody who's talking about sanctioning Russia, they need to be aware of the basic fact that the, all of the sanctions that the United States has placed upon Russia since the beginning of the Ukraine war have caused significantly more damage to the American taxpayer than they have to the Russian citizen. The Russian economy is doing quite well, thank you. The American economy is sort of, well, let me say it politely, sort of in the doldrums. And most of that is because of the sanctions that they placed on Russia while freeing up sanctions on Venezuela and China. Interesting, isn't it? Two socialistic slash communistic countries, okay. Um, we need to be aware of something 
uh, of a basic principle here, and it's it's a really hard one to get your head around. The world since about 1500, in other words, for the past about five, six centuries, has been in an economic model of more, 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 more. More people, more resources, more this, more that. All that is coming to an end. In other words, we've been talking for the past several weeks about the fact that the world is in a not good place right now. To understand what that means, we need to understand that the basic um, economic models, and it doesn't matter if you're talking about capitalism or socialism, I, I don't care. That's not the issue here. The basic economic models of the world no longer function as they used to. And we do not have anything right now to replace them. So the basic problem that we're facing now that humanity is facing is that we do not know where we're going and we do not know how to get there. Now this occasionally happens and this happens, you know, it happened when, for instance, when the Roman Empire died. These things happen. That's you know, that's that's humanity. <coughs> humanity does things like that. That that's life. But people need to be aware that this is what's going on. So if your thinking is very short term and you're looking, for instance, where to invest your uh, extra capital, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to tell you what it would, would, to invest in. I'm not an investment um, uh, uh, um, uh, advisor or analyst. Or would that be legal? I think I don't think that'll be allowed. Um, but I will tell you that this is the time to be more careful than normal, hmm. more thoughtful than normal. The risks, the basic risks that exist out there, are bigger than they normally are, bigger than they have been for a very, very long time. And again, I'm not talking about the Ukraine war, I'm talking about the general economic atmosphere, particularly in the Western world, but not only in the Western world. So in the last two minutes that we have, uh, again, how would you like to wrap this up? And which countries do you think will be hit harder with food, food shortages than others? Okay, that's a, that's a that's an interesting poignant question. I can give you a list. Egypt, Turkey, Bangladesh, Nigeria, Yemen, Azerbaijan, Sudan, Libya, Lebanon, and Tunisia. Those are the countries at the, the greatest risk right now. And they've always there are been more at risk. as well, but I mean those are the, those are the ones that stick out that the vast majority of their calories come in from outside. Mhm. So then uh, what about the uh, United States? What about Israel? What about Europe? Europe Europe will be okay for the very simple reason that Europe is a continent of barbarians and they will use their military might to go out to uh, to Africa and they'll steal what they need. They always have and they will continue to do so. That's never changed. That has been the same for thousands of years. Um, Pope Urban II in, 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 in 10... 94 and then 1095 pardon me told the um uh 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 projected crusaders we don't have enough food and resources go out and take them and that's what europe has done and always has done and they will do it again so europe will be all right of course they're not having children so the europe is going to die anyway so nobody really gives a damn but that's europe in terms of uh uh israel and the united states assuming that 
um, uh, uh, Israel retains some sort of reasonable governance, and and Europe and Israel is one of these strange cases where the the so-called deep state actually functions for the state. Not always. I mean, there are a lot of problems with that as well. You have like, like ten myself, seconds, but, Mordechai. But basically, the management of Israel continues to manage, continues to, to run effectively. <coughs> I wish I could. Say yeah, that I, I can tell everybody. I would rather be here in Israel in time of famine than anywhere else in the world, because I think Absolutely that the correct. people take care of each other here a little bit better. All right, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, thank you so much for being with us. We should only know good news, and we will discuss more topics that are happening in the news next week. Thank you. Thank you. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.